This parable that Jesus tells us is supposed to be encouraging, but sometimes it's hard to tell because it's a story that I don't like to hear. It's a story I don't like to hear because it's a really familiar story, not to me, but to a lot of people, which is a story about a person, a vulnerable person, in this case a widow, who needs justice and yet can't get justice because a person in a position of power, in this case a judge, doesn't care about her or about doing what is right. It's a hard story, but Luke, in the very first sentence of the gospel lesson, lets us know that it's supposed to be encouraging. It's supposed to be a reminder to disciples of Jesus about why we're supposed to pray always and not give up, not lose heart. But that can be hard to hear in the midst of this story. Jesus tells lots of parables where the character that Jesus describes is not a good person. And we hear in this parable a description of a judge that is laughable. We even laugh when we get halfway through it to hear how silly his response is. It's a characterization. And the point of the characterization, I think, is to show us what God isn't like. Some people call this a how much more parable, a story where where the story includes a character or a situation that we don't like or, or that we can't identify with. And the point is to say, well, how much more? How much more will God do for us? How much more quickly will God answer? How much more does God love us? And this is one of those stories. But the reason I have such a hard time making the connections is that Jesus portrays this ridiculous character of a judge who doesn't care enough to help those in need he wants us to understand that God is the opposite of that. That of course God wants to help those in need. God loves God's people. God hears their cries. God dreams of answering the needs of God's people quickly and speedily. But when you look around, it doesn't always happen that way. Some of us, and if not us, people we know and people we love are stuck. The same way that that widow is stuck. A good deserving, vulnerable person who yearns for justice and can't get it and cries out, Jesus says to us, day and night begging for God to help. And it so often feels like those prayers go unanswered. And I'm left trying to figure out not what Jesus wants us to understand about God, but the harder thing, if Jesus wants me to understand God is the one who yearns to answer the prayers of those in need, then why doesn't God do that? Why are so many people left waiting and wanting? A couple of techniques perhaps to resolve that. One is to appeal to the sense of time. God's time isn't our time. Seven days of creation, surely it wasn't seven days, we can say. And so we begin to, to, to skew with a sense of time. And so maybe, maybe we find comfort in thinking, well, Jesus tells us God will answer quickly, but maybe quickly to God means a couple thousand years. But I got to tell you, that still leaves me wanting more. I, I don't know if it's fair for me to say it, but my heart wants to say, God, that's not good enough. You've shown us something bigger and better. You've given us a hope that isn't just in a couple thousand years maybe Maybe things will be better. I think maybe part of the reason I struggle with this parable, with figuring out how to hear God at work in it, is because I, as a person of privilege, a person of means, a person of comfort, I have the luxury of trusting 
that one day God will come and sort it all out, and I don't really need to do much about it. Because you know what? When I go to court, judges listen to me. And when I'm worried about what's going to happen, I've got the resources to protect my family. I have the luxury of waiting on God. And I wonder whether Jesus might be inviting us to understand a hope that isn't just nearer than that, but a hope that starts with the followers of Jesus. Because if we are going to be followers of Jesus, we must believe and we must act so that God's hope and deliverance come to those who are crying day and night for justice and that that hope and that deliverance and that justice come a whole lot more quickly than a few more thousand years. Those of us who have the means, who have the voice, who have the access, who have the power, who have the privilege, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to use all that we've been given, that privilege. We have to devote it to that work of bringing hope and love and promise and justice to those who can't find it in this life without more from us. We must take the hope that we've been given in the death and resurrection of Jesus, a hope that says to us nothing can defeat God's power, and knowing that God is and always will be victorious, we've got to stop sitting on the sideline and waiting for God to sort it out and instead say, all right, Jesus, I've heard your call. Let me help. Doesn't that sound a lot like what it means to be a part of a Christian community, a follower of Jesus, a, a part of this church? Isn't that what it means to be a part of St. Paul's, to be in touch with, to be a part of that work of sharing love and hope and justice and reconciliation and transformation with those who need it most? Think about all the things that this church represents to you and to our community. Think about community meals. Earlier today, we fed a room full of people who are hungry, but community meals is more than that. Community meals is about welcoming with respect and dignity our neighbors who often don't get dignity and respect from people in positions of power. Think about our justice ministry, Justice for All, a ministry that advocates the humane respect of those who are in jail or who are in threat of going to jail. Didn't Jesus say something about visiting those in prison? Think about our sanctuary ministry, a ministry that tries to give a voice to those silent neighbors among us who don't have a chance to speak, a ministry that reminds us that God loves everybody, whether they have documentation or not. Think about the ministries that have been born out of this church, Seven Hills Homeless Center, Community Clinic, Magdalene Serenity House, organizations that were built and born out of a congregation that believes that hope belongs to everybody that respect belongs to everybody because what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a follower of Jesus means doing all that we can to share hope and love with those who need it most. That's what we do. How is your life, your ministry, your participation in this church or wherever it is that you see God at work, how is your participation in that an offering of yourself to that important life-changing work of sharing good news with others. You don't have to wear a stole or have a collar or stand in a pulpit 
to share good news. Because sharing good news isn't telling somebody, sit back and wait, in a couple thousand years, I'm sure God will sort it out. That's, that might be good news to some of us, but that doesn't sound like good news to somebody who can't pay a power bill. Our good news has got to be closer than that because God has shown us it is closer than that. How will you give yourself again to the work that God has called us to do, the work of bringing hope and justice to a world in need. 